0: Virginia governor says that the coronavirus doesn't care what God you pray to. And can we simply decree Psalm 91 over ourselves and never have to worry about getting sick? Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Now there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson. Of Good Fight Ministries, and on today's episode, we are going to discuss a lot of different things. But one thing I, I just want to let you guys know: we are praying for you guys out there. I know some of you guys may be a little more shut in than others. I know uh, our good friends in New York. Been talking to a few of you guys out there, the Von Eifs and. Uh, that group. And I I know it's tough out there. I, I was looking at some numbers of, I think, I and maybe I, I was wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure it said over 1,800 confirmed uh, infections uh, and, or cases, I'm sorry, confirmed cases. And I believe the population in South where you guys are at is only about 20,000 or so. So that's radical. And so we know it, it is ravaging, this coronavirus is really ravaging a lot of places. And for our economy, and there's so many different things where people could be coming to a place where this is difficult to deal with, and maybe there's a, you know an avalanche coming, you're thinking when it comes to, will I have a job when I get back home, how am I going to pay for these bills, um, all those different things, and I just want to encourage you guys, wherever you are, just... Make sure you guys know that you're, you're safe in Christ and you're following in Him. Um, Jesus was very clear. He is our shepherd, and He says His sheep will listen, that hear, and listen his, to His voice, and they will follow after Him. And I want you to continue to follow after Him. And I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't checked out, we have an article that I kind of adapted a mixture of the notes from a message that Joe did, the first message that after California was put on lockdown— um the first message that He did on that Wednesday night right after we were put on lockdown um, regarding Jesus being our shepherd, and I kind of adapted some of my own thoughts alongside the notes that Blessed Hope Chapel, Texas—if you remember, Blessed Hope Chapel, Alaska used to take the notes, and now Blessed Hope Chapel, Texas is taking the notes and dropping the—it's the same people, they just uh, moved—but dropping the notes down for us after every message. So um, check that out, guys. It's called—and I named it, and I'm sadly forgetting the name—the Shepherd— uh in the coronavirus storm yeah the shepherd in the coronavirus storm sadly i named that article and forgot uh what i named it but but yeah guys i'd love for you to check it out and the teaching is at the bottom of it you can click on that and also listen to the teaching and completely be blessed guys and I'm really excited to talk about the topics we're t- we're discussing today, and typically because of the nature of this pandemic affecting so many people, the 5.11 News a lot of times is going to cover the stuff about the coronavirus, but I always want to do what this show was called out to do, in my opinion— and that, wa- that is take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, that we're going to look at what's going on in the news, what's going on every, in everyday life, and say, but what does Scripture say? Because we can have our opinion, right? And our opinion is just that, it's ours. And we want to make sure that our opinions are always with Bible-colored glasses, okay? That we see the world through the lenses of Scripture. And if we do that, one, you will find much, much, much more comfort in whatever situation, and something I've thought about a lot over since I guess since I I've, I've been saved is this idea of miracles or even sickness and praying over people. And we've seen, I know in our fellowship, and and guys, I'd love if, if you guys have a, have a praise report of something radical that's happened. I've seen some cool praise reports. We've been asking a few more questions on the Good Fight Ministries Facebook page and seen some cool praise reports about stuff you guys are doing. But maybe some praise reports about some radical healing you guys have had happen. For those who pay attention to the Blessed Hope Chapel live feed, I'm he- I'm sure you've heard of Lola's story Uh, On the worship team, you see her up there singing. She is not supposed to be alive, (laughs) okay? But I guess she is, because that's what the Lord wanted. And we've been praying for her radically. Her husband's up there uh, on Sunday mornings as well, usually playing the piano or the keyboard. Uh, You know, he's got that really great radio uh, low voice that he has, uh, Chuck. And guys, we've seen some radical miracles take place. And for me, that's what I wanted to discuss, because... The Virginia governor, Ralph Northam, actually tweeted this, and I thought, it's a silly statement, but I want to take it to the test, not only that, but I think it's really interesting to say the backdrop of his statement. He tweeted this, This it's still on his Twitter, on Virginia governor, Ralph Northam's Twitter feed. It says, tonight, I held a call with faith leaders across Virginia. I'm grateful for their leadership in bringing people together spiritually while remaining physically apart. The virus does not care who we pray to or how we worship. We must all work together in fighting against it. Well, first and foremost, I have to point out that the virus, right, is not a person, okay? <laughs> it, it is not. And I understand what he's trying to get at, but he's dead wrong. He is dead wrong. Now, don't get me don't get me wrong. I am not telling you to go against and, and and just go and say, hey guys, we should still just have our church, have 5,000 people in the same area, and we're all going to be fine. I think that happened in a church recently, and I think the last time I checked, 37 people in a small congregation all got coronavirus, and actually they've had some death because of it. And I don't think that, me personally, I don't think that's practicing wisdom as a shepherd, Okay, if somebody has leprosy, you put them in a leper colony. Okay, and I'm not saying you have leprosy if you, you know, get the coronavirus, but guys, we do need to practice wisdom. This isn't uh, the government saying you're not allowed to practice your faith, okay? Um, I do I do believe a lot of this has to do with convictions, and we have a little write-up, uh, and Tony can put the link, that, that Joe did, because we had a lot of people coming against us because we met that first Sunday, some of us, including myself, I have 10 people over every Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday at my house doing Bible studies, um, still trying to get in as much fellowship as possible, not with anybody who's sick or showing symptoms, but trying to keep um just practice wisdom you know when it comes to this so we want to talk i want to talk a little bit about this statement this idea that it doesn't matter what god you pray to that it makes no difference and i believe that that is a lie obviously okay there is only one true god and praying to any other god okay is idolatry there is only one true god and if you go to anyone else other than him you're going to leave empty-handed or with something of to your detriment, okay? The Bible says in, in the Psalms very clearly that the idols of old are demons, and Paul equated that anything really could be an idol and that behind them are demons, and that is the truth, okay? Um, the fact is, is that every person as well, we are either the temple of God or the temple of idols or demons, okay? And if we are praying to a false deity, okay, we are either not going to get an answer. Just think about what would happen at Mount Carmel. You got Elijah pretty much making fun of the false gods saying, What are they going to the bathroom? Are they sleeping? Because our God doesn't sleep nor slumber. Okay. We have a true God that does answer prayer according to his will. And guys, I was reading a book and I don't, I, I don't want to always endorse uh, certain guys because of some of their, some of the people they're attached to, but I'm going to be Frank. Actually, I'm Chad, but I'm going to be, I'm going to just explain this to you. All right. Uh, for me, when I first came to Christ, I started at Blessed Hope Chapel under the teaching of Joe Schimmel after watching They Sold Their Souls to Rock and Roll. And I began learning the Bible, started reading. He was going through the Lord's Prayer at that time and I so I started in Matthew when I first opened my Bible and went Matthew through Revelation, then back to Genesis and over. And I remember about three months, so it would have been March 2009, um, March or April 2009, I was at my house and somebody had left a book there and I had went to the gym that night and I picked up this book because my endorphins were going and I wasn't ready to sleep yet. And it was about 1 a.m., and I picked up the book, and I started reading, and I literally did not go to sleep until I finished that book. It took me about eight hours, and I had read the book, um, The Case for Christ, by Lee Strobel. And for me, I was coming out of atheism, so... I thought, wow, I knew who Jesus was. I knew him as a person. I didn't know all of the historical data and the proof for the resurrection, the proofs for the crucifixion. I mean, all of these different things, his miracles, everything he did, I I had never really, at at that point in my walk, I knew him, so I wasn't paying attention necessarily to the miracles because I had known Jesus and I was getting to know the scriptures which I had placed that, hey, these are the word of God very clearly, and so that's where I was. But I really, really enjoyed that book. and and I've ever since then, I've always loved apologetics, understanding why we believe what we believe, having an answer, a defense, an apologia for our faith and being able to deliver that to other people. So I started studying apologetics after that, probably getting into doctrine, and Joe would always mention, and if you listen to Joe long enough, you'll notice he teaches in an apologetic format, typically. It's just the way it it breathes out of him, including doctrine and scripture. And I always thought these things were really interesting You know, I read More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. I started delving into Norman Geisler and and William Lane Craig and then some more on the Reformed campus as well and watching all these videos. But I always enjoyed Lee Strobel's writing style, okay? The investigative reporter digging into these questions. And I thought, hey, I came out of atheism. I thought maybe that was why I always liked and enjoyed it. And just a few months ago, I said, hey, I wanted to get, I saw this book and I didn't even know who wrote it. I just grabbed it. It was called A Case for Miracles. Probably should have known it was a Lee Strobel book because most of his books are a case for something. And I really enjoyed it. And I thought there were some very interesting things that were in the book. And like I said, I've always enjoyed his writing style, but I, I don't endorse him because of he's interlocked with guys like Bill Hybels, and you guys know that that controversy's gotten even worse, so I don't know if he's kind of walked away from Bill Hybels or stepped back at all, um, but I believe that was the church he, his wife was attending when he came to Christ, and um, also with Rick Warren, and because he has those ties, I can't give like some endorsement for him. I'm just telling you that I found a lot of the information uh, very interesting and very good, and in this book specifically, on the case for miracles, I found... This to be really interesting, so when I heard or when I read what the Virginia governor stated concerning it doesn't matter what God you prayed to, it reminded me of this book. I had read it a few months ago, and I thought, wow, that makes me think of something that ha- that was mentioned in that book, something I found to be very, very interesting. You see, he starts the book off interviewing, and for you guys who've been involved or watched any sort of apologetic video videos, you've probably seen Michael Shermer. Michael Shermer is the editor, and I believe founder, of Skeptic Magazine, okay? He's debated a number of people, um, you know, regard he's a very liberal, uh, God-hating man, and he, you know, claims he was a, a former Christian, and it was actually the fact that a girl that he loved didn't uh, have a miracle happen. Uh, that kind of was the linchpin, uh, not linchpin, but kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back in his lack of faith. And he walked away from the Christian faith. And so after that, he became very vehement against Christianity and has pretty much dedicated most of his life to coming against it. And uh, like I said, has done plenty of uh, publicly moderated debates against guys like Dr. Frank Turek, who will be on the Good Fight Radio Network, by the way. Um, and we... so. If you haven't been acquainted with him, that's who he is, okay? So, in an interview that Lee Strobel conducted with him regarding miracles specifically, Michael Shermer argues that they don't happen and that prayer doesn't do anything, very similar to what the governor said. It doesn't matter what God you pray to, right? (laughs) Um, And that he says the evidence shows that prayer helps zero, nothing. And the entire linchpin to this argument for him okay, not only his own experiences, but it was the infamous STEP study done by Harvard Medical School, okay? The STEP stands for Study of the Therapeutic Effects of Intercessory Prayer. Now, this sounds like a, a study that was done. It was done to the gold standard which of uh, research, meaning it was peer-reviewed, Perspective, randomized, double-blind, double, double blind, paralleled group, controlled study. Okay? So this thing is supposed to be the top-level study. And it showed that praying has no effect, according to the study, on the outcome of sickness, surgery, or otherwise. So, if that's the case, science has shown that miracles don't happen through prayer. And that's the end of it. Okay? So we can put this away. It doesn't help at all because the step study. We have the step study. Well, not so fast, okay? Because in the book, A Case for Miracles, that's not the only interview that Lee Strobel does. He interviews Dr. Craig Keener who wrote, I believe, a 1700, I think over 1700 page book on miracles. Um, He's got a, a number of commentaries on the book of Acts as well as Revelation and other things. But he also interviewed somebody by the name of Dr. Candy Gunther Brown, a Harvard graduate herself and a professor of religious studies at Indiana University. And she said the STEP study is not as gold standard as it may appear. While it may meet the requirements of the scientific community, it seems that the findings actually, in my opinion, teach that only the one true God can actually heal. And let me show you how that backhanded claim can be made. Okay, She points out that there has also been gold standard studies before and after STEP that show precisely the opposite conclusion. She pointed to a specific study known as the Bird Study, conducted by Randall Byrd, Dr. Randall Bird, and it was published in the Southern Medical Journal where they had each person in the study only praying to the Judeo-Christian God. The patients who were prayed for had less congestive heart failure, fewer cardiac arrests, fewer episodes of pneumonia, less incubation, fewer needed ventilation, less diuretics, and antibiotic, uh, antibiotic therapy. Bird's article was peer reviewed, judged properly, and executed as a scientific investigation. The same study was done once again a decade after that by Dr. William S. Harris and published in the Archives of Internal Medicine. And it conducted over a 1,000 coronary, uh, cor- coronary patients have received, they perceived prayer and half didn't. So 500 did, 500 didn't. The results, once again, the affirmation scientifically that God was working in intercessory prayer. So why the difference, guys? And this is why I believe this was, to me, I thought was very interesting. And I'm actually going to read from the book. And this is The Case for Miracles, starting at page 128. And I'm going to read from the book, because why would these two studies have entirely different conclusions if they were both going after the same thing? And this is exactly what it says. In page 128, it says, uh, Brown began dissecting the STEP project by asking me an uncontroversial question. If you're going to study prayer, she said, wouldn't it be important who was praying, who they were praying to, and how they were praying? That seems intuitively obvious. Of course. I replied, In the bird study, the intercessors were born-again Protestants and Catholics who were active in daily devotional prayer and in fellowship with a local church. They were praying to the Judeo-Christian God. Well, that made sense to me. As born-again believers, they would have faith in a personal God who is loving and who possesses the power and inclination to supernaturally intervene in people's lives. Yes, I said, it seems reasonable that if you're studying the effects of Christian prayer, you would want people whose theology is mainstream. Exactly. Similarly, in the Harris study, the intercessors were required to believe in a personal God who hears and answers prayer made on behalf of the sick. Again, that seems entirely appropriate. What about step, which found no beneficial effects of prayer, I asked. She shifted in her chair, so she was facing me and more squarely. Here's where the difference comes in. She said, as if letting me in on a professional secret, the only Protestants, quote, end quote, quote, unquote, recruited to participate in the study were from silent Unity of Lee's Summit, Missouri. A red flag shot up in my mind. What? I blurted out. Truly, I was taken back. In fact, I was staggered. Unity isn't genuinely Christian. They claim to be Christian. The group's full name is the Unity School of Christianity, but I agree that many Christian scholars wouldn't give them that label. They trace themselves back to the New Thought movement of the late 19th century. I've studied Christian apologetics or evidence for the faith for decades, and I am now a profession of Christian thought at a university. Never have I encountered any expert on religious movements who would classify unity as being traditionally Christian in its theology. With more than 300 Unity congregations, a thousand licensed ministers, programs on more than a thousand radio and television stations, and 33 million pieces of mail dispatched annually, Unity has been described as one of the largest metaphysical groups in the United States." The sect's views on the divinity of Jesus, sin and salvation, the Trinity, the Bible, and just about every cornerstone of Christian doctrine would be unrecognizable to any mainstream Christian. Reading through Unity's beliefs, I detected a mixture of Hinduism, Spiritism, Theosophy, Rosicrucianism, and Christian science blend with an esoteric species of Christianity. Biblical concepts have been emptied of their historical meaning and refilled with ideas more suited to New Age mysticism or pantheism. Indeed, Ruth Tucker, an expert on cults, And Alternative Religions wrote, Unity's acceptance of non-Christian tenets such as reincarnation and its rejection of various biblical tenets have placed the movement outside traditional Christian orthodoxy. Ron Rhodes, who has a doctorate in systematic theology and has authored 66 books on religious beliefs, wrote, The Unity School of Christianity may have a Christian-sounding name, but it is definitely not Christian. It is a New Age cult and is not Christian in any aspect of its doctrine or teaching. But what what does it believe about prayer? Unity leaders have long denied that prayer miracles work and have even called petitionary prayer useless. Guys, that is the only Christian group that they used, quote-unquote Christian, in the step study. So you know what it tells me? that prayers to false gods don't help at all, okay? And the fact that other studies, and I'm not saying we need to put God in a test tube. I'm not saying I even like these ideas of these studies. But the fact is, when it's been done, it's been proven that, guess what? That you had to literally find a group of quote-unquote Christians, which are really heretics, that didn't believe that their prayers actually mattered to the healing of people to do your prayer study. So you know what it tells me? If the prayers of real saints, and I, I would really like to do that uh, Catholic versus Christian one, <laughs> but but nonetheless, if the prayers of the real saints, okay, the ones praying to the one true God, and then they see result after result, okay, and, and they go further into it, and, and I would say I'll advise you as a warning when it comes to this book, they do talk about uh, certain people that, you know, it made a difference if they actually got to lay hands, or where they were in the world, and, the, and those different things. And one of those people is Heidi Baker, who is, in all honesty, a heretic. She is not a believer. I don't believe. Um, she's a, she's a false teacher, um, and so I have to warn about that uh, concerning the book. But, anyways, long long story short, the fact is is that that study, when you go back and look at it, all those studies put together, for me. It shows me personally that, guess what, only the one true God matters in concerning your prayer and what can happen when it comes to you praying and beseeching Him concerning this. So, with that said, the second question I had for this teaching, this, this episode, had to do with this idea, and I've seen it all over the internet, guys, of just decree Psalm 91. If you decree it, you can't get sick. That's the idea here, guys. And I'm telling you, I've joined a ton of Facebook groups uh, in order to hopefully share shows like the 511 News, like Good Fight Radio Show, like Teachings on Sundays, to share these live feeds and, and these videos. And I, I'm i always staggered by the amount of heresy that I see online, in all honesty. But when it comes to this, this I'm going to decree Psalm 91 over myself. And I'm going to read from it so you guys you guys can hear it. And it, it it's kind of sad to me when when I think about it, but I love Psalm 91. Okay. It's a great promises for us, for those in the Lord. And it says, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow, shadow of the almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his pinions. Un, and under his wings, you may seek refuge. So right there, we realize, all I got to do is come under his wings, and I can never be harmed. I can never get sick. The big problem with that, guys, is that that's not what's trying to be conveyed in the Scripture. We, we, we're not—we don't do witchcraft. We're not putting potions over us, okay? We're not, we're not going to say, abracadabra, you're no longer sick, okay? What we're going to do is look at God's Word in the promises, Okay, there's something that I I have to point out that when you look at scripture, okay, when you look at scripture, we need to recognize God's character through it all. Through the witness of the Holy Spirit, his word proclaims who he is. The Holy Spirit enables believers to properly divide the word of God and not simply learn things about him, but to get to know him. In Exodus 33, 13, this has been a verse that I, I, I don't want to say, oh, it's a life verse, but it kind of is for me, okay? When I was a newer believer, I was gaining a lot of knowledge very quickly about who Christ was, apologetics, all this stuff we've talked about today. And one of the things that happened to me was God started becoming more of a math equation, right? He was the answer to the end of the riddle or something. And Exodus 33, 13 and I'll and I'll just give a quick summary because Tony just gave me the five minute mark and I'm running late here. But in in, in Exodus 33:13, Moses cries out, "Lord, if I find favor, if I have found favor in your sight." Teach me your ways so that I may know you. Ultimately, learning God's word, ultimately learning who he is through his scripture, ultimately knowing that even if I die, not a hair on my head. Yes, that's a promise that even when I die, not a hair on my head will be harmed. I will never be harmed by the second death. Any sort of decree I, I have over myself from the Old or the New Testament always falls in line with the fact that we have a resurrected body coming, the fact that this body will be done away with. We see in the scriptures very clearly that even Paul left some sick. Yes, believers. It wasn't because of their lack of faith. In fact, if you go to the Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, and you will notice he is going over and over again. These are the men of radical faith that we can look to as encouragement for our faith over and over again. In fact, Hebrews 12 starts out with that great cloud of witnesses. After seeing all these people and recognizing what they went through, now let's lay aside every sin and the uncovered that so easily entangles us. But when we look back at Hebrews 11, one of the things it ends with is that all these people had a ton of faith and some of them were sawn in half because they had a greater resurrection that they were looking forward to. I don't care what sickness it is. Yes, if it's God's will, first of all, James even tells us Elders in the church should be anointing people with oil that that may be sick, praying for people. Okay? God is still listening. We do have the one true God that still does listen. But guess what? When it comes to healing, it doesn't always happen in this life, but it always happens if you're a believer trusting in him. If you are a sheep listening to his voice and following him, you will always get the healing, whether in this life or the life to come. You will always, always get it. Every single human being has an expiration date. Every single human being has an expiration date. And guys, before before I finish up, because I want to mention that verse, I wanted to correct one thing that happened on last week's show. I was reading through some old notes, and I was mentioning about John Lennon and Yoko Ono and the sacrifice that they paid all that money for. Okay, okay. Uh, hopefully for his success, because his career wasn't going too well. And Yoko Ono, I must—it must have been because of my allergies to cats—I accidentally said cat. I meant dove, okay? They sacrificed a dove, which as a picture of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, I think has an even greater meaning. There's not too many pictures of cats in the older New Testament, but that's for another episode. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. I'll never do an episode on cats, uh, but I don't hate them. I'm just very allergic. Uh, anyways, guys, um, I wanted to point out that that Exodus 33:13, because the fact is, is that we want to learn scripture. We want to learn about Jesus. We want to learn about his word so that we may know him. When we see his character throughout, okay, we see how he is. We don't just simply know facts about this God. We come to know him. As we dig into his word, okay, I've been reading through the Quran lately as well as obviously my scriptures. And guys, it's so pathetic to even have the name Muhammad even be mentioned by the name of Jesus. When you see the two people and just compare the two human beings who Jesus was, they're incomparable. It's pathetic, in all honesty. And I can tell you this, guys. We have such a good savior. And the more I read his word, the more I dig in, the more I meditate on it day and night, I am like that tree planted against the water bearing fruit in season because not that I knew facts about Jesus, but because guess what? I get to know him on a personal level and I know that he cares for me and he cares for you. This has been Chad Davidson and this is the 511 News.